It is great to be with you all this morning on the last morning that we're going to have on Zoom for hopefully a long time. So I am excited to be with all of you. I'm excited to think about the fact that in seven days I get to actually be with you and actually worship with you in person. So it's an exciting day. The passage that we read today, the gospel passage that we read is fairly well known. Um, the words of verse 13, the words, no one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends, are often found on Christian merchandise in stores like Hobby Lobby, or they're quoted a lot in Christian blog posts or Christian Facebook posts, things like that. These words have become kind of a, Christ a Christian slogan. And what's weird about that, not only the fact that like there can be slogans for Christianity is weird, but what's weird about that is the fact that the church has turned these words into a slogan and yet somehow lost sight of their true meaning. No one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. This is a powerful statement, but what does it mean? And the church has interpreted this statement in a few different ways. One of the ways that we've interpreted it is by thinking that it means good Christians show love by basically becoming doormats. We think that we cannot establish boundaries because that means that we're being selfish. We think that boundaries inconvenience others. And so we avoid them and we keep saying yes to everything that is asked of us because we think that that's what it means to give up one's life. Or we think that we need to become doormats in a more extreme way by putting ourselves in the way of abuse for the sake of our abuser. For example, Christians have long taught women to stay in abusive relationships in the hopes of showing love and grace to their abuser. We've long taught that we must stay silent in the face of abuse because to speak up is selfish or to speak up is to potentially harm the abuser because it can hurt their feelings. And another way that the church has interpreted this statement is to think that we're not really good Christians, we're not really good at showing love unless we're willing to suffer and die. And that's kind of an intense interpretation. Do we really have to suffer to show that we're serious about loving others? Do we need to die to show that we take our faith seriously? So these are all the ways that the church has interpreted this statement, but these interpretations are frightening and they're harmful. To the marginalized, to the non-privileged, to the, to the oppressed, the message that Christ wants us to become doormats is not good news. Any gospel that tells the people of God that we need to submit to abuse is no gospel at all. The church that I attended as a teenager taught these really twisted interpretation of what it means to give up one's life for one's friends. And I'm sure that many of us are only too familiar with these interpretations. The church has long misinterpreted and abused this passage. The church has long weaponized the idea of giving up one's life. No one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. This is a powerful statement, but not for the reasons that we have been told to think. When Jesus spoke these words, he wasn't talking about us. When Jesus spoke these words, he was talking about himself. Jesus wasn't saying that those who follow him must become doormats. The idea that the abused must willingly submit to further abuse for the sake of the abuser is not in line with the character and nature of Christ. And Jesus was also not saying that we have to suffer and die to show that we're really Christians. This statement is not about us. Jesus was talking about himself. 
No one has greater love than the one who gave up his life for his friends. Jesus is the one who gave up his life for his friends so that we don't have to do that. This passage is not telling us how to measure whether or not we have enough love. It's not a litmus test to see who among us has the greatest love. It's telling us that Jesus has more than enough love for all of us. And we know this because Jesus already gave up his life for all of us. And we know this because Jesus considers us his friends. The same Jesus who considers us to be his friends doesn't command us to become doormats. The same Jesus who considers us to be his friends doesn't command us to suffer and die in order to show love. The same Jesus who considers us to be his friends has already died for us. And there is no greater love than this. And I think it's important to note that Jesus calls us friends and not servants. Jesus specifies the difference between friends and servants. And he also says that we will show love. Sorry, we will show that we are his friends when we keep his commandment. And that commandment is simple. Love each other. As Jesus has loved us, so we must also love each other. We must love each other not so we can hope to somehow earn friendship with Christ, but simply because God has first loved us. We must love each other without motivation, without reward. Love each other without an agenda. Love each other whether we get something out of it or not. Love each other whether we share the same political or religious beliefs or not. Love each other whether we agree with each other or not. Love one another even when the other has hurt our feelings. Love each other even when we're angry with one another. And there are tangible ways that we can live out this commandment. Loving each other looks like sharing a meal with someone. It looks like bringing somebody coffee. It can look like calling or messaging someone just to check in on them. It can look like being present with someone in their suffering with no conversation, no advice, just simple physical presence. It looks like praying for one another, whether the person knows that you're praying for them or not. And that's it. That's the takeaway from the sermon. We don't have to submit to abuse. We don't have to willingly suffer, but we do have to love each other. When we love one another, we begin to catch glimpses at new creation. We begin to see glimpses of resurrection, even as it's breaking in here and now in the very midst of death. So go out this week and love the people that you meet in whatever way that you can. God of love, you have called us to love each other. You have said that when we love each other, we are your friends. You've loved us enough to not only call us your friends, but to actually die for us. So may we love each other because you have first loved us. Teach us to show love in the way that you desire, that we might live into new creation and usher in resurrection even now. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. One God. Amen.